0: your Bibles with me this morning, please, uh, to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 6 this morning, Acts chapter number 6, and uh, we'll read some verses together this morning and bring a thought that the Lord has put on our heart for today, and I encourage you uh, to look in your Bibles with us to follow along. To have your family sit down, gather your family together, have the word of God open, and let's read from the scriptures together this morning. Acts chapter number 6, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. And uh, this is our missions month, and uh, so the Lord has had my mind in the book of Acts. And um, August being missions month around our place here at Beacon, uh, the Lord always, it seems like every year, brings my mind to the book of Acts. And part of the reason is is because the book of Acts is where we find uh, the the Acts of the Apostles. That's why the book is named the way that it is. And what we find them doing is actions uh, in, involved in the Great Commission. Jesus gave them the Great Commission as he left the, left this world and ascended back uh, to be with his Father in Heaven And at the end of Matthew, Mark, and, and, and their Gospels. And uh, then we find other variations of missions that God gave them and Luke and John, but in particular Great Commission is mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, at the end of the Gospel, at the end of the Gospel of Mark and then at the beginning of the book of Acts in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8, we find that famous passage that says that uh, we are to be uh, that we are to be his witnesses the whole, after, the Spirit of, after the Holy Ghost comes upon us uh, we are to be witnesses unto him both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth and so we, so we know that is a commissioning verse and then the Bible talks about Jesus ascending up into heaven and uh, so then when Jesus ascended after he gave them that that Matthew commission that Mark commission that book of Acts chapter 1 commission uh, then the disciples were left to themselves Uh, they they weren't left comfortless they were given the spirit of God Uh, but Jesus was no longer leading them but he had left them with final words of instruction uh, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to go to all nations and preach the gospel too as Mark says to every creature Uh, Matthew says every nation all nations, and then Mark says, to every creature, amen, and so when we come to the book of Acts, we find uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in full uh, action, uh, fulfilling that commission at the very beginning of uh, their days and years of uh, leading and following the great commission, and uh, we find in Acts chapter number six, uh, we find in Acts chapter number six, the... Uh, the beginning of those uh, of, of 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 that great commission, and then in chapter number six here we find uh, the apostles realizing, as we'll read together, uh, that there is a better way for them to be more productive uh, for uh, the Lord's honor and glory in the work of the great commission, and uh, that is by calling these first seven deacons. And so, let's read this passage of scripture. Uh, together uh, this morning. Acts chapter number 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore brethren. Look ye out among you seven men. Of honest report. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. This is the words of the apostles. We will we, we, uh, we'll, we'll give ourselves continually to prayer. And uh, to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. Notice that name. Uh, we'll talk about him this morning. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and uh, Prochorus, and Nican- Nicantor, and uh, uh, Timon, and uh, Perm- Perminius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests uh, were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, notice this verse here. It mentions this man that we will uh, talk about this morning, Stephen. And Stephen, full of faith, and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. For there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia, and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place. Speaking about... The synagogue uh, that said that they, that he ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us and all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of of an angel. And we read those 15 verses together this morning and I'll uh, conclude our reading there for the sake of time this morning. But when we come to this passage of Scripture uh, we come to, as I have already mentioned, a moment in the early action of the book of Acts, the early action of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the early days of the church and we find that there was a problem uh, that had arisen in this early church, and that is mentioned in verse number one. Of course, there in uh, chapter number five, we uh, find that the uh, church of the Lord Jesus has uh, made a uh, has uh, made a uh, policy, if you will. And at the end of chapter number four, and into chapter number five, with the account of Ananias and Sapphira, uh, the those in the church of the Lord uh, Jesus, those that were saved and a part of the church at Jerusalem, uh, they had made the decision that the way that they were going to help uh, take care of the needs of the church and of the individuals in the church was that they were go every time every person the verse uh, chapter four verse thirty seven that had land sold it. Any, anyone that had anything uh, that, uh, that had monetary worth, uh, they sold it and the Bible says that they, laid, that they brought the money and they laid the money that they had received for selling their goods and their property and their lands uh, to the apostles' feet. And they put it at the apostles' feet uh, as a a treasury, if you will, to which the apostles had the authority uh, to distribute to those in the church that had needs as they saw fit. And, of course, we know the story of Ananias and Sapphira that sold a possession but kept back part of it and they were dishonest and that displeased the Lord. But that is where the church is at this particular time in the book of Acts. And so when we come to our passage of Scripture, as we begin chapter number 6, the Bible says, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. Now let me mention this. Uh, that when you come to the book of Acts, what you find is you find that uh, the Lord has blessed these 12 apostles, and then God has multiplied the. Twelve apostles from the ministry of the Lord Jesus to hundred and twenty that met uh, in an upper room, and then on the day of Pentecost added three thousand souls to that, and then there have been more people saved, and the church have the church has grown and grown and grown uh, exponentially uh, during these uh, first few uh, first few chapters of the book of Acts, and these. Uh, this, this beginning portion of the ministry of a local church in the New Testament church and the body of Christ in the work of God's great commission. And so what we find here is that the church has grown to where now the church is not just 12 apostles or 120 in an upper room or even 3,000 on, on souls saved on Pentecost added to those, but now there are what the Bible here in verse number one calls multitudes, Uh, or rather multiplied. So there are multitudes of disciples. There are a great number of people. This is not talking about the apostles that we call disciples, but these are talking about people who have been saved and are following the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord and as the one that directs their life. They're serving Him. They're obeying His commands. They are hearing the words of the apostles that has been preached and they are following and listening living their lives in accordance uh, to the apostles' doctrine. And so we see these disciples here, how they are multiplied, but how many of you know that where there are people there are problems amen and the more people uh, the more problems it seems that we have a lot of times amen and I found out we don't have to have a lot of we don't have to have a lot of people uh, in our lives and in our circles to face problems but I will say this the more uh, where there's people there's problems and where there's a multitude of people. Uh, there uh, is a potential for a multitude of problems. And that is what the early church here learns in verse number one. There was a, there, in the days where the church was growing and multiplying, the Bible says there arose a murmuring of the Grecians. Now, uh, these uh, Grecians, according to uh, Bible scholars, and uh, those that uh, that have studied these things, this word Grecians here, Uh, does not necessarily apply to uh, Gentiles that were Greek, although there may have been some in this group. But the word Grecians primarily, according to those who are supposed to be in the know in in, in, uh, church history, they say that these Grecians uh, were uh, Jews that were born uh, in uh, Greek regions of the world and speaking Greek And uh, so these would be what would be known as Hellenistic Jews, and uh, those who uh, were uh, in in Greek areas speaking Greek language, uh, the Greek language. And so here we find them called Grecians in the text. And so those individuals had uh, gotten in in that had had some uh, murmurings and some disagreements against the Hebrews, those uh, Jews that were from. Jerusalem and that had, were speaking Hebrew, the ones that would see themselves as uh, the true purest form uh, of, a, of, a, of a Jew. And these are folks that are in the body of Christ. These are folks that are disciples. They're saved by the grace of God. And so uh, we see that here in this passage. And the Bible says here that they had a problem. That they had issues and that is that they were murmuring, the Grecians were murmuring against the Hebrews and verse number one tells us why because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration this daily ministration is what I mentioned just a few minutes ago about how the, the early church decided that they were going to sell their possessions and sell their belongings and put it all in a collective treasury and laid it at the apostles feet and let the apostles make the the, the distinction as to uh, the, uh, the portions that people receive uh, when they need, uh, when they were in need. And so here's what the Grecians said. The Grecians felt like their widows were being neglected and the Hebrew widows were being favored. They felt like that, and and I'm not sure whether this is a regional thing or whether that this is just because of a simulation thing uh, where the Hebrews felt like uh, or the, the, the Grecians rather felt like the Hebrews were getting more preferential treatment because of who they were and uh, because of their connection back to the apostles who, uh, who were uh, would be part of this Hebrew crowd, whether they think that there was favoritism involved. And by the way, I'll say this, that when people have hurt feelings, a lot of times it is, Uh, Involving someone feeling like they're being neglected and being slighted because of favoritism. And so it's no different in Bible days. And so that's where we are when we come to this passage of scripture. In verse number two, the Bible says that the twelve, speaking about the twelve apostles here, called the multitude of the disciples unto them. And now they are beginning to try to come up with a solution. The Bible here says, uh, the Bible here says that. Uh, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason, or it is not uh, reasonable. It is not pleasing or acceptable. It is not deemed proper. That's what this word reason means. Uh, it, it, it It does not seem proper or agreeable or pleasing or right, reasonable, for us to leave the word of God, to abandon our studies in the Word of God, our preaching of the Word of God, to walk away from that in order, he says, to serve tables. It is not reason that we, the apostles, should leave the Word of God, the ministry of the Word of God, and serve tables. I'll say this this morning, that, um, that, that phrase, serving uh, tables, is a reference to a physical table. Uh, just like this daily ministration, most Bible scholars believe that this is the uh, this is the uh, the distributing of food and tangible goods uh, to those widows that were in need. And so, this table here I believe echoes that sentiment that it is a it is a dinner table. It is a table uh, for those at meat or at their meal. It is an eating table. It is a time of meal. And so. He said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables this also uh, could be a reference to a table uh, for monetary uh, means as well it carries the idea of a broker's office or uh, uh, for distributing of money or uh, even in some uh, even in some ways it carries the idea of a bank as well and so we we see this when we come to this passage that uh, these apostles are saying that there is something more important than us taking up all of our time. And no doubt, these apostles were uh, laboring in the word. They were preaching. They were spreading the gospel. They were planning churches. They are doing all of the things uh, that they are or at least planning to do, all of the things uh, that they're doing. They're getting this church of Jerusalem off the ground. Uh, they're trying to do the, the work of missions, the work of the Great Commission, but yet in the work of leading a church there is an element of service uh, that uh, that they must be involved in because their people have needs and they as the leaders as the apostles as Uh, those that would stand in in this early church in the position of a pastor, uh, it is their job to help their people not only uh, grow and have their needs met spiritually, but here these apostles have taken it upon themselves uh, to meet needs physically, and no doubt we are to do that. The Bible talks to us many times about about taking care of those in our church body, especially those of the household of faith, and so there's an obligation there. And there is a need there. But at the same time, uh, the, if it is it, this, this the meeting of needs and serving tables and feeding widows and providing the monetary needs for widows probably here, uh, those that would be the most needy among them. In this culture, the husbands uh, were the, the, the not, not only just the breadwinners, but they were, uh, they were everything to these wives. And when these wives were gone, they had no means of sustenance or, 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 or any type of provision. And so it was up to the church uh, to take care of them. And we see Paul talks about that. In uh, his epistles as well, about the taking care of widows, James called the ministry to widows a ministry of pure religion that is that is undefiled before the Lord. There's no corruption. There's nothing wrong with taking care of widows. And so, uh, Paul, or excuse me, these disciples here in Acts six, they are trying to meet the physical needs while not. Uh, sh- uh, while not abandoning their duties to uh, the spiritual need of the work of God in the Great Commission, preaching the gospel, uh, pastoring this church, leading this church, and then also spreading the gospel uh, to uh, to the uh, regions beyond them, around them, and uh, also uh, to the, the far regions of the world as they were commissioned to do. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. They know that is their responsibility from the Lord. And so, but then they have these folks in their church that have needs that have to be met. And so they're trying to balance uh, these two areas of their ministry. And so in verse number 3, we uh, find the solution that the apostles are led in giving. The Bible says there in verse number 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men. Of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And this is what we call the uh, calling of the first deacons. And the reason why uh, we uh, say that is because he is what the apostles here are doing is they are appointing, uh, they are having their having the individuals in the church appoint the servants who are going to serve them and meet the needs, of meet the physical needs of serving the congregation, distributing of this uh, fund, of this treasury fund, of meeting the food needs and the financial needs. This is what they have been called to do. The word deacon in the Bible is the word diakonos, which simply means a servant. It literally means someone who waits tables. Remember these apostles said it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So what these apostles are telling them to do is the apostles are telling them that it is not reason. It's not reasonable. It's not pleasing. It's not proper for us to leave the most important thing uh, to do a secondary thing, although it's very needful. So we are going to appoint people to where the serving of tables is what they are responsible for doing. Meeting physical needs is what they're responsible for doing. And they are the they are the table servers. They are the waiters. They are the servants. They are the diakonos. They are the... The deacons, and so this is where we find uh, the doctrine being taught of deacons in the Bible in its original form, and we find their purpose. and It's one of the reasons I know there's some churches out there that say that every church needs to have uh, seven deacons because they had seven deacons. The way I look at that is we don't need we don't need to have seven deacons at our church because we don't have multitudes of thousands of people. Uh, These apostles had seven men for thousands of people. And uh, I don't think we need seven men for our churches. Amen. But yet the Lord here uh, uh, through these apostles is ordaining for seven men to be called to the office of deacon. Their requirements were that they were to be uh, men of honest report, men that were full of the Holy Ghost and men that were full of wisdom that the apostles may appoint over this business to have authority in the area of service. And so we come to verse number four and the Bible says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So these apostles, they said, we're going to appoint people to do the service so nobody is neglected and nobody is left out and we are going to take care of the, most important thing, and not only are we going to do the work of the ministry, but we're going to give ourselves entirely to it. That is why deacons exist in the early church. That is why deacons are uh, supposed to be a part of our local New Testament churches, is so the pastors can give themselves totally to the ministry uh, of uh, to continually to prayer and continually to the ministry of the word and those two things are the most important and so there are others that have come alongside the men of God to make sure nobody is missed nobody is neglected nobody is uh, missed out on when it comes to the service and so here in this passage those seven men are chosen and the very first one that is mentioned we under, we know Philip is going to make an appearance here in Acts chapter number 8, and what a great man of God he was and how God used him. But the very first one mentioned, the Bible says in verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. They had that business meeting. They all agreed. They all uh, seconded the motion. They all were in favor with it. Amen. And then the Bible says, and they chose Stephen. They chose Philip, they chose Procorus, they chose uh, Nicanor, they chose Timon. they chose uh, P- uh, uh, Par- Parmenas, they chose Nicholas. But the passage here begins with, they chose Stephen. And this is someone that, as I have mentioned many times in preaching, is one of my favorite uh, characters, for lack of a better term, one of my favorite individuals in the New Testament. Stephen, every time I read about Stephen, I am encouraged to want to be the kind of preacher, the kind of man, the kind of Christian like Stephen was. And though his ministry was b- very brief because he was martyred in the next chapter, we find many things in Stephen's life that should make us want to be like Stephen. And so that's what I want to preach on this morning for the next few minutes that I have. And I might uh, preach some of this um, more this evening. I'll give you at least a couple things uh, here uh, this morning. But I want to preach on the subject. I want to be a Stephen. That's what I'm preaching on. I want to be a Stephen. And I know no doubt as we read, they've read this passage and as we uh, preach the word of God and preach some of these thoughts this morning, I, I have no doubt that everyone listening to the sound of my voice would say, I want to be a Stephen as well. I want God to have, Uh, the the confidence in me that he had in Stephen. I want the church to have the confidence in me that they had in Stephen. I want the Lord to use me like the Lord used Stephen. I want my life to be characterized by some of the characteristics that Stephen had. And so we'll look at some of those uh, today. Amen. Uh, The first thing I want to mention as I consider the subject I want to be a Stephen is that Stephen was saved. I think that is the most important thing that any person, whether whether you're a Christian or not, that every single human being should want to be. I do. I'd say. I declare today, without hesitation, that there is still a very real hell that all of those that do not know the lord will go to when their heart stops and they draw their last breath and they leave this world if you're not saved that is the eternal destination for those that do not know the lord and have never asked the lord to save them and by repentance and faith place their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, hell will be your eternal destination. However, I'll say this, if you have done that, hallelujah, heaven will be our destination and we'll go be with the Lord in glory for all of eternity and nobody can take that away from the child of God. And so with those two destinations in mind uh, every person should want to be a saved individual. To know that they're saved, that they're born again that they're headed for heaven that they'll be with Jesus for all of eternity in the bliss and the splendor and the pleasure of heaven. And uh, to know that they're not headed for destruction that they're not headed for hell and that heaven will be their eternal destination. Or that Yes, that heaven instead of hell will be their eternal destination. Being saved, I'll say this, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm feeling it in my office this morning. Being saved is the best thing that will ever happen to anybody knowing that you're saved. Amen. If there's anything better than being saved, it is knowing that you're saved. Amen. And knowing you'll never go to hell and knowing you're eternally secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Stephen here was saved. If he was anything that we should want to be, he is saved, amen. If I'm never ever anything else in this life, if I don't get to pastor another day, if I don't get to preach another message, if I don't get to win another soul to the Lord, if I don't get to do anything else, being saved is the greatest thing that I could ever um, that I could ever do and imagine and be in this life. <coughs> and Stephen was a saved man. Amen. And we bless the name of the Lord for that. You say, Preacher, why do you say that? Where do we find it in the text? Notice what the Bible says here in verse number three. Wherefore, brethren? Do you see that? Wherefore, brethren? Now, notice this the word brethren in the New Testament. Talks about those that are saved. Amen. It is used to denote believers, Christians, those who have placed their faith in Christ that are brothers in the faith, brethren in the Lord. So he says to this congregation, he calls those disciples, those followers of Jesus, calls them brethren. But then what else does he say? He says, Look ye out among you, speaking to the group, look ye out among you seven men of honest report full of the holy ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business these the congregation of disciples are called brethren it means they themselves are saved and then he says this he says Look ye out, and notice these two key words, among you. Look ye out among you, among this group of saved people, among yourselves, a group that is just as saved as you are, just as much a part of the family of God as you are. Look Look among yourselves and pick out saved people that possess these characteristics that you possess. Amen. And so we see this here that he had to be saved if this congregation is truly disciples. People who have been saved and discipled and following the Lord, if they're looking out among themselves, Stephen was saved. Those that they selected, Philip and and Prochorus and all of the others, they were saved just like these disciples were. And just like the apostles were, amen. So we see that they were part of the brethren. We see that they were part of this group. And I'll say this, I'm glad to be saved and to be part of the family of God. But so we see here that Stephen was saved. And by the way, that's where it all begins. In this Missions Month, we've been saying over and over again, it is our job not only to support missions and to give to missions and to make sure we meet the financial needs of the world evangelism and global outreach, amen, to the far corners of the earth to try to reach out to the uttermost parts of the world, amen, through our financial giving to missions and meeting financial needs for our missionaries, but we have also been repeating over and over again how important it is for you and I to be, a missionary to be a personal missionary, amen, and I'll say this, you're never going to be a missionary, you're never going to be someone, as Brother Stenet Ballou said, he said all a missionary is is someone going somewhere to tell somebody about Jesus, and that's the way Brother Ballou, I believe so adequately defined what a missionary is and if you're ever going to go somewhere and tell somebody about Jesus, uh, you can do, you can do it unsaved, there's been many people who have but I'll say this you will not be a true missionary of God you will not be truly involved in the great commission if you don't know the Lord as your savior if you're not saved everything that we are as uh, as Christians everything that we do begins at the at the point where we are converted and born again and so we see that Stephen was saved in Acts chapter number six And verse number three. But then I'm going to begin here this morning. I may not uh, get through all of this. We'll see how far we get. But I want to make mention that uh, Stephen also, and I've been preaching about 30-something minutes already, so uh, I'll, I'll conclude here this morning. We'll pick up here. Uh, tonight. I'm just thankful that we can rejoice in being saved this morning. Amen. And uh, if I don't say anything else, I hope at least this morning we've got COVID in the church. We've got people still sick and and, uh, and, and and still having issues and we've got all of those things going on in the church but if there's anything that I can encourage you with this morning and just give you a blessed word of encouragement amen that'll help you and give you some, uh, give you some stirring in your spirit is that it's good to be saved, it's good to know the Lord I'm glad there's a day in my life as an 8 year old boy where I bowed my head and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior I realized I was a sinner I realized that my sin had caused me uh, to be uh, deserving of a, of a devil's hell and I was going the same place the devil's headed. I knew I was going that direction. God put me under Holy Ghost conviction and I realized when I read from the word of God that there was a savior that wanted to save me and wanted to, that had already taken my place on Calvary, had already paid my sin debt and if I would just trust in what he did and I'd just give myself to that and just replace faith in what he did. All that he paid for and all that he did on Calvary would be accredited to my account and there would be a great transaction take place, amen, as he took my place, amen, on the cross and I get to take his spot in the heaven that he left for me, amen. That is a great encouragement to me in a day and an hour which we can get very discouraged, amen. And so I want to encourage you with that. But then I'll close with this, and we'll pick up. I'm not going to even get into the details of this. I'll just state it, and I'll close this morning. But not only do I want to be a Stephen in the fact that he was saved, and I'm glad that I can say in that regard, I'm just like Stephen. I may not be the Christian. I may never be the Christian that he was. I may never uh, have the faith that he had, but I'll say this. The same God that saved him is the same God that saved me, and the same salvation that he possessed is the same salvation that I possess Amen. I'm like Stephen in that regard. Amen. And I bless I bless the name of the Lord for that. But the second thing is not only was Stephen saved, but he was qualified to serve. He was qualified to serve. And so we see here in verse number three, and I'll deal with these particularly this evening. But in order for Stephen to be chosen, Stephen had to meet, to be chosen as one of the first deacons, to be chosen as a servant of the Lord. He had to meet some requirements that the apostles had made and expressed to this church. These are the requirements that you are looking for in someone that you are going to ordain and select as a deacon. In verse number three, he says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among among you, seven men... Here's the first requirement of honest report. In order for Stephen to be selected to serve on the very first deacon board of the First Baptist Church, First Independent Baptist Church of Jerusalem, amen, in order for him to be selected, he had to be a man of honest report. And I'll deal with that some uh, later tonight. A man of honest report. Number two, He had to be a man full of the Holy Ghost. Not just familiar with the Holy Ghost, but full of the Holy Ghost. And we'll see this evening that being full of the Holy Ghost uh, tells us that He is in control of us and He is leading us and He is the one that, if I can put it this way, drives the car of our existence and life. He's the one in the driver's seat. Being full of the Holy Ghost means that the Holy Ghost is the one that leads us and guides us and causes us to make the decisions that we make. And then number three, the Bible says that he needed to be full of wisdom. So the fact that Stephen is selected means that he is a man with an honest report. Among this congregation, he had to be a man that had an honest report among them. And I'll say this, I want to be that kind of man. I want to be that kind of Christian. I want to be that kind of person where those that know me and those that uh, have experiences with me in life will have in their mind when they think of Josh Lawson. And I pray that you have it in your heart that when they... Say when they think of you and they speak your name, they think of an honest person. Someone that has a testimony of honesty and being right and being and 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 not being deceptive, but being honest, being true blue, if I can put it that way, has a good testimony among those that look on our lives. That's why I, I admire that in Stephen. I want my life to be like that. And then a man that's full of the Holy Ghost. This church hears me every time I preach. Every time I preach, every time I lead in prayer at church, I always pray, God, fill me and help me to be full of the Holy Ghost. Every time I pray, not just in church, not just before messages, but every time I pray, I say, God, help me to live today full of the Holy Ghost. Help me to study for messages to preach to our people and be full of the Holy Ghost while I'm doing it. Lord, help me to minister to our people being full of the Holy Ghost. Help me to preach as someone that has been filled, that is full of the Holy Ghost. God, direct my life, direct my steps. And that is one of the requirements that it was to serve. And so, Stephen, in order to be selected, possess that and others saw that in him, other Christians saw Stephen as a man that was full of the Holy Ghost. And then they also saw him as a man that is full of wisdom. A man full of wisdom. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is uh, the beginning of knowledge and that it's the beginning of wisdom. Amen. And so uh, I want to be someone that is full of wisdom. We need wisdom in these days. If we're going to do the work of the Great Commission, we need wisdom. We need God to give us wisdom to do the, His work and to be involved in His ministry and reach out to the lost souls. If you don't have wisdom, when you're witnessing to somebody, you don't have much. If you don't have a good report with them, if you don't, if you're not full of the Holy Ghost and you don't have wisdom, you're not going to win anybody to the Lord. You're not going to see anybody grow in their faith. You're not going to help anybody. These are three basic characteristics of a Christian life. I could preach on just those three things and preach on that. The three basic characteristics for Christian service. To have an honest report, to be full of the Holy Ghost, and to be full of wisdom. And you know where your wisdom comes from? It comes not only from a fear of God, but it comes from the Word of God having God tell us his word and obedience to his word, that gives us wisdom. And Stephen had those things. And I'll say this, specifically we see three characteristics characteristics for Stephen to be qualified to serve. But I'll add a fourth one just by reading the text. The Bible says whom we may appoint over this business. The idea of selecting these men was that the congregation was going to choose uh, men that the apostles could put over the work of serving uh, the widows and those in the congregation and doing the daily the daily ministration they would be seeing these deacons daily they'd be these deacons would be doing uh, what they're doing daily they would be reaching out and meeting needs on a daily basis so these individuals that uh, that were called these seven men, They were men that could be trusted. These were men that could be counted as leaders. These were men that could be appointed over God's work. They could be trusted with responsibility and an area of leadership in their life. Yes, they were servants. Amen. But the best servants are those, or excuse me, the best leaders are those that know how to serve. The best leaders are the ones that don't just bark orders and tell people what to do, but they will serve people. And the Bible here talks about whom we may appoint over this business, those who are able to delegate authority to others. Amen. And so I'll pick up with that this evening, but I'll say this. I want to be a Stephen. I want to be, and and I, I say Stephen just because of some of these details that's mentioned about him. But in those three areas, I'd say I want to be a Philip as well. I want to be a Prochorus. I want to be a Nicanor. I want to be a Teman. I want to be a Parmenius. I want to be a Nicholas. I want to be like those men that possess those characteristics. Amen. That I would be full of faith or that I would be, excuse me, have an honest report that I would be full of the Holy Ghost, that I'd be full of wisdom, and that God and others in the church body and others in the world that I'm involved in and around each and every day would see me as someone that can be trusted, that those in our church would see me as a leader, as a servant leader, that can be trusted with responsibilities. I want to be a Stephen that is not just saved by the grace of God, although that's the most important thing and the most blessed thing, but I want to be a Stephen that is saved and is qualified to serve the Lord Jesus and the body of Christ. That's the message that the Lord has put on my heart for this morning. And uh, I trust that until we uh, meet together this evening, we're going to have church again tonight at 6 o'clock, and uh, we'll continue with this message and this thought as we unpack more of this qualification to serve in the Lord's ministry. But until then, I hope your heart and I hope your prayer will be, God, make me a Stephen. I hope for those of you that don't know the Lord, you will be like Stephen in that first description of him, that today... You'd call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to save you from your sins and make you a new creature in Christ. You can do that today if you've never trusted the Lord. You can do that today And if you have any questions about how to do that, you can call me. You can reach out to us here on Facebook here at the church page. And we will be glad to help you come through the word of God to a saving knowledge in the Lord Jesus. And then I also want to be someone that's qualified to serve. I want want to have an honest report amongst God's people. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I want to be full of wisdom. And I want to be someone that can be trusted to be a servant leader, to be responsible, in the ministry of the Lord. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.